0: Is Draco Malfoy and the Talon Brand. Part 5 of the Mirror of Isidoro series by Star Bridget. Chapter 9. Dumbledore's Murderer. Draco had no intention of joining up to the Potter cult, but observing the sign-up session could hardly hurt. Apart from one or two security procedures Draco had insisted upon for the occasion, he had resolved to keep himself a silent observer to the side as if he was still in the blue loop, looking into Hermione's pensive or something, and enjoying witnessing a slice of history in the making, and possibly see if he could weasel some more satisfying beverages out of Dumbledore's goat-fancying brother than Butterbeer. He's going to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts, he thought, in amazed incomprehension, as they entered a pub that seemed to attest to nothing about the owner, but his lack of interest in sanitation. Draco had never so much as gone close to the window of such an outre-establishment, but he did have to smile and stare for a while at the battered old rusty sign, with the head of the titular Hog, no cutesy cartoon pig but a real severed head, which bled eternally for the onlookers. He produced the reloaded Polaroid camera Hermione had given him so long ago, enchanted by now to work even at Hogwarts, let alone in its vicinity.' and took an admiring shot of the head, artistically skewed. See, definitely too fond of decapitation. He heard Ron mutter to Neville as they made their way inside. Well, Draco said, wrinkling his nose once they stepped inside. This is... quaint. He tried to come up with a way to explain its squalor to himself in a way that didn't make its name mark the inside as a pig pen. "'Authentic, full of, um, local color. "'Yeah, it's not that bad,' Neville agreed valiantly. "'It's a dump,' Luna said brightly, and Neville changed his tone. "'You're right, Luna, it's a total dump,' he agreed. "'Luna waved her wand to make the stubby candles around them burn brighter, "'which was a mistake, as it further highlighted the composition of the floor.' It looked like one of those enchanted swamps the Weasleys were working on. But Draco's feet didn't sink into it like quicksand, as he had feared. It just seemed liable to ruin his fifth-best leather shoes. No one's going to come here, Harry said, and smiled at Draco's quizzical look. I'll just remember Hagrid telling me about this place. This is where he... Harry lowered his voice so Luna and Neville couldn't hear, and whispered with a fond light in his eye one norbert you know you miss him a lot don't you draco observed why shouldn't i harry said with a defensive shrug what well, the professor would have gone drinking here he gestured around at the esoteric sort of clientele who could have passed for a mummy a ghoul and a pair of dementors draco felt the urge to draw his wand yes draco said with a forced smile "'Wow, so authentic, so quaint.' "'He had to hesitate, though, "'when the sound of unusually young voices "'made Aberforth Dumbledore appear from behind the bar. "'He was like some nightmare version of Dumbledore, "'from an alternate dimension, elderliness making him seem decrepit rather than wise, "'a Dumbledore who had fallen on seriously hard times "'and never crawled out from under them.' he was also clearly a committed alcoholic in which case draco could only mentally congratulate him on having at least had the sense to find himself the right profession what he grunted the notes of dumbledore in that gruff voice were there in another life six butterbeers please said hermione and draco raised a hand five butterbeers he said and one chardonnay chardonnay Aberforth squinted. What's this look like? Valhalla, how old are you, boy? Eighteen, Draco said brightly, ignoring Hermione's sputtering. I'll have a fire whisky then, the best mark you have. Aberforth looked drowsy but skeptical. If I was underage, Draco drawled, would I be able to do this? Ceruleum inflamare. he cast and the candle flames all rose in the air and turned a deep hot blue, before rising together and turning to bluebell flames in the air. He waved his wand around, and the ceiling of the place was wreathed like Draco had used to surround his room in Grimald, a delicate, threading blue flame that went heatless upon Draco's concentration. It gave the place a mysterious rather than unsavoury look, with the filthiness giving it the character of the ancient ruins of something better. Aberforth looked unimpressed. i was a do that before he was nine, he observed. He likely meant his brother, but he still reached for the fire whiskey, only for Hermione to slap her hand on the bar, cheeks pink. He's fifteen, she snapped, and he'll be having a butterbeer like the rest of us. They got the most horrifying looking bottles of butterbeer known to man, which Draco feared might carry some form of human infecting rabies on their dusty glasses. Twelve sickles Aberforth grunted, and Draco put down twenty for the poor man's trouble. Getting glowered at by Hermione was worth at least that in aggravated damages for pain and suffering. Draco the bar is so gorgeous, no? Luna enthused. "'although Draco privately thought the best effect of his display "'was that it had made most all of the patrons but them sidle their way out. "'Even more people will want to join in a place like this.' "'Draco looked around them dubiously. "'Oh, yes, before long we'll be beating them away.' "'But the bar was soon filling up. First came Dean and Lavender. "'Draco eyed them dubiously and not just for the connection to Seamus.' "'Hadn't Hermione said that Lavender didn't believe Harry either? "'Was she just here to try and kindle a flame with her ickle wanny?' "'Draco had no intention of letting that absolute plonk of a girl "'anywhere near a friend of his this time around. "'They were followed by the Patil twins and the Gryffindor-Quidditch team "'and their friend Lee Jordan, whose voice had been the one Draco listened to "'during Potter watch on long dark nights. "'On came the Creevies clearly desperate not to lose their status as the number one Harry Potter fanboys to a couple of dumpy-looking Hufflepuffs behind them, one or two of whom Draco vaguely remembered might have ended up on the wrong end of a basilisk in second year. Then came Hannah Abbott, Susan Bones, Anthony Goldstein, Michael Corner, Terry Boot, Cho Chang, some other Ravenclaw girl and Ginny Weasley, probably ready to begin kindling her own passion with Harry. That Draco wouldn't stand in the way of, even though the thought of having to see it gave him the realest motivation to stay away from Dumbledore's army. Harry seemed dismayed at all the people Hermione had invited, a motley crew that represented every house but Slytherin. Draco supposed he had to reluctantly count himself as fulfilling that lack. It was an assortment that looked to give the club roughly the same chance of being kept a secret as Sirius Black's acquittal. No wonder Umbridge had been on to them before it even began. Poor Aberforth looked quite out of sorts. First Draco had taken it upon himself to do something about the interior decorating, albeit temporarily, and now his pub had been invaded by such an infestation of do-gooders, he would be forced to besmirch its good name serving Hufflepuffs. At least the Weasley twins seemed ready to flash the cash, still flush from the present of Triwizard Tournament winnings, only they, Harry and Draco, knew about. "'Hi,' Fred said to Aberforth. "'Could we have twenty-five Butterbeers, please?' He seemed to want to keep those winnings to himself, actually, as he appealed for a collection to go around from the students. Draco stepped in front of the stack of dusty Butterbeers appearing, though, before anyone could take them. He had his own plans before anything remotely resembling fun. Listen, all of you, now, Draco said, and didn't have to cast a sonorous as he feared to make the pub go silent. If you want to stay, you have to have your photograph taken by me, no exceptions. He received a great number of anxious stares at his Polaroid camera, whose unusual boxy form must likely seem cursed in his hands. "'It will spit out a slip with your image, "'and you have to write your name on the back, your full name.' "'Hermione produced the dark, permanent muggle marker called a Sharpie "'that she had gotten for this procedure per Draco's needling. "'No one seemed very happy about Draco's procedure, "'but they all submitted instead of leaving the bar. "'One by one, their still faces filled the blank plastic.' often prompting exclamations of shock and awe at the slow fade-in. "'Yes, yes, it's very dark magic,' Draco bragged, before Hermione ruined his fun by loudly telling everyone it was a muggle camera, which she had given Draco for Christmas when they were younger. "'Striker? spoil sport. He would have enjoyed menacing Zachariah Smith with that threat. "'Really? Who had invited him?' The only times Draco had ever interacted with him in either timeline were Quidditch and threats of Langlock. Draco took Smith's Polaroid from him and coloured on devil horns. Finally, the registered students settled at tables, mainly by house. Draco remained sitting up at the bar with Ron and Luna, while Neville joined Dean. Hermione marched Harry up to the front. She had promised to speak to introduce him before he had to say anything. Apart from all of Hermione's stuttering, it seemed to go fairly well, until Hermione gathered up the courage to tell them why they were really there, apart from passing their defence O.W.L.'s. "'I want to be properly trained in defence, she said, taking a deep breath, "'because Lord Voldemort is back.' Draco didn't like hearing the name said either, but everyone reacted like the old bugger had shown up himself, transfiguring the stools into snakes, "'although that would admittedly be an improvement for the overall ambiance, "'Hufflepuffs all about were a flutter and idiots of their other houses with them, "'as if the Prophet hadn't gone on every other day about Harry lying about that. "'Well, that's the plan anyway,' said Hermione. "'If you want to join us, we need to decide how we're going to—' Was the proof you know who's back?' Zachariah Smith cut in. "'Well, Dumbledore believes it,' Hermione said quite logically. And Smith had the audacity to interrupt her. Her, Hermione Granger, who would be Minister of Magic some day, while Smith would be lucky to be cleaning her office for her. You mean Dumbledore, him? Smith said. Who are you? Ron snapped. and Draco rolled his eyes, going through the Polaroids and lifting up Smith's to read off as if he hadn't already known. Zacharias Smith, Draco read drolly. An unimaginative name for an unimaginative sod. Well, Zacharias Smith, if you don't believe Potter, there's the door. No, actually, even if you do believe him, there's the door. I'm not having your sort of dead weight clogging up this enterprise. Jacob Malfoy, Smith snapped in disbelief. Who the hell do you think you are? "'You just said,' Draco said rather childishly, "'Draco Malfoy,' before smirking at him in a more sinister manner. "'And you know what that means, don't you? "'Wingardium Leviosa!' "'Draco levitated the Polaroid, and Smith stalked up and made a grab for it. "'Evanesco!' "'It disappeared between Smith's fingers. "'Now, out that door!' "'Ventus!' the door slammed open and several students shrieked. "'Do I need to ask twice?' Smith looked over at his fellow Hufflepuffs, but they were all frozen, looking as petrified as in second year, Then he glared at Draco viciously and sprinted out. Draco had expected, perhaps even hoped, that a Hufflepuff exodus might follow, but they all sat there with their big eyes gone so wide they looked like house-elves. Draco rolled his own eyes at them. If you want to go, go. No one's stopping you. Anyone who thinks Harry's a liar. He stood up in front of you all last year at the ending feast and told you exactly what happened. If that wasn't good enough for you, if you don't know who he is and what his word is worth by now, you don't deserve for him to teach you. No one moved a muscle. Trico sighed in exasperation. "'I'm not going to curse any of you, I promise. I'm a friendly Slytherin. See, Calavaria,' he cursed, and turned the blue flames gold and Gryffindor red. A few of the younger students shrieked again, ducking their heads. "'Okay, that might have been counterproductive.' "'Listen, all I'm trying to say is that Harry is a great wizard. "'He's going to be one of the best there's ever been, if he isn't already. "'You're all lucky to go to school at the same time as him, "'so you can say you've lived to know someone who's a real hero. "'And now he's willing to help you. "'You shouldn't be asking him if he's lying. "'Harry Potter doesn't lie!' Ask him what he can show you, because you're going to need the things he has to teach you. Draco hesitated, and heard his voice break as he finished. You don't know it yet, but you will. You'll learn. How lucky you all will be to have been here, in this room, with him. You'll learn. A silence reigned around the now golden-red room for a long moment. So long, Draco worried that losing his temper had ruined it for everybody. But when he snuck a look at Ron, Ron gave him a stunned but grateful grin. The room was paying attention, at least. Even Aberforth Dumbledore had leaned across the bar to watch and listen intently. Then Susan's bones asked if it was true that Harry could produce a corporeal patronus, and if he'd really saved all of the Slytherin students in the dungeons with one in third year. Harry sheepishly admitted it, and soon more students were asking questions eagerly, curiosity brimming about all the great things Harry had done. "'Did you really kill a basilisk with that sword in Dumbledore's office?' Terry Boot asked. "'Or was that just Malfoy's song?' Luna smiled at Draco, and he squeezed her hand for a second under the bar, able to read her thoughts. She was proud that their little Valentine's songs had the side effect of helping Harry's publicity— as much as they had been torture for Harry at the time. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I did, yeah,' said Harry, rubbing the back of his head, and Luna hummed the tune of the Ballad of the Basilisk pointedly. "'Oh, God, don't!' he groaned, and the room relaxed as most of it burst into laughter. And in our first year, Neville hastened to add, he saved that philological stone. "'Philosophers!' hissed Hermione while Draco buried his face in Luna's shoulder, laughing. "'Oh, Neville, this is why my cousin will never date you.' "'Yes, that from you-know-who,' Neville finished. Luna raised her hand before speaking. "'And he's the tray wizard champion, you know,' she said excitedly. "'He got through a maze full of dark creatures before any of the seventh years?' She didn't seem to care that Cho Chang was there, to hear Harry boosted up at Diggory's expense.' though by all accounts those two were still going strong. Choja smiled at the reminder. Without any fear that Harry might fancy her, Draco found himself loathing her less than he remembered. He took on a dragon and didn't die. And even though they were laws, he saved Draco and Fleur Delacour's little sister from the bottom of the Great Lake. Eyes went to Draco again, and Draco forced a smile through his embarrassment. Oh, yes... He said, it was very heroic, and he dueled the Dark Lord last summer in a graveyard. Listen, Harry interrupted, and everyone fell respectfully silent. Look, I, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be modest or anything, but I had a lot of help with all that stuff. Come on, Harry, Draco whined. ''Stop trying to be all humble. I know that's a Gryffindor thing, but you're ruining my branding.'' And earned another loud laugh, relaxing things further. ''The point is,'' Hermione said, cutting in with her steady focus where no one else had it. Are we agreed we want to take lessons from Harry.'' Everyone agreed, and then it fell into squabbling over logistics as everyone tried to figure out a time around all their Quidditch practices. Draco didn't realise he was holding up proceedings until Luna elbowed him. "'Draco?' Hermione said. "'Don't you have practice too for us to think of? When does Slytherin practice?' "'Well, I'm not joining,' Draco said automatically, only to be greeted by a sea of disbelief. "'On the hell, Malfoy,' George complained, who still seemed to be taking his title as the lower-rated Weasley twin personally. You give us that whole speech about how we're honoured to be born at the same time as Harry, let alone be taught by him, but you aren't even going to show up. Had Draco lost his temper and backed himself into a corner? Apart from all of the unnecessary work and stress, common sense would indicate that Dumbledore's army could hardly function properly when infested with Dumbledore's murderer. It's not that, he said, flushing and crossing his arms, as he regarded a room full of people looking at him with utter scepticism. He couldn't take back what he'd said about Harry. And saying he was too busy for the meetings would just make it sound like he'd been talking out of his arse. He tried something closer to the truth. Me being around would make people uncomfortable. Come on! Half of you think I'm going to curse you at any moment. I'm here to help set it up for my friends and make sure it works out for them. But having me around would just spoil things. But Draco, Neville said with what sounded like real sincerity. You're a great teacher. Luna, Draco said quickly. The raxberts, the raxberts have gone to his brain. It's true, Dean called. You're always helping him in. He cut off before speaking Seamus's name, as if Seamus's opposition to Harry had made him another he who must not be named, in this pro-Potter bunch. You've helped him in potions since first year, and I heard you were giving dueling lessons to Harry last year, weren't you? Trico, Hermione hissed, just join, you can quit later, any time you want, but if you don't show the proper enthusiasm now, other people might not want to join either. All right, fine, I'll join, if my presence is in such high demand, he agreed, and several people at least did look rather gratified by this, Neville chief amongst them. He must really want to suck up to Draco to try and win his cousin's favour. Hermione beamed at Draco, who was getting the feeling he was being sold a bill of goods and then dragged up the river with them, port by port. But he couldn't ruin history, so he fell in line again. They went back into logistics, agreeing to a meeting place that Draco knew would change to the room of requirement before they were through, and everyone put down their names on Hermione's list with some grumbling. Eventually the meeting broke up, the most controversial disclosure, the one that Michael Corner and his friends had come because he was dating Ginny Weasley. Ron took this like an announcement Corner had kidnapped Ginny, and meant to sacrifice her, in some blood ritual to the demon goddess Hecate, maybe the one on page 55 or 205. "'They met at the Yule Ball "'and got together at the end of last year,' Hermione explained, "'and Neville, who had been Ginny's date, "'nodded happily in agreement.' He could not seem less bothered that Ginny had gone off hooking another bloke under his nose. Probably because that nose had been dedicated to sniffing around after Draco's cousin the whole time, during and since. Ron grumbled about Michael Corner, expressing his dislike. It seemed the poor boy had a sister as well as brother complex. While Draco stared at the quills and the display of scriven shafts following Hermione in with a frown. But, said Ron following Hermione, I thought Ginny fancied Harry. Draco tensed at the mention, losing interest in his search through the rows of quills. But then he tried to put on his most uninterested face and looked through again, rather mechanically. He was all ears anyway, as Hermione explained. Ginny used to fancy Harry, but she gave up on him months ago. Not that she doesn't like you, of course. So that's why she talks now, Harry asked Hermione. She never used to talk in front of me. Exactly, said Hermione. "'Yes, I think I'll have this one.' "'Oh,' Draco thought dully. "'So that's it. "'That's how it happens between them.' "'Harry, fancying Draco, "'showed he would prefer someone who challenged him, "'not genuflected towards him. "'Ginny had nourished her pathetic little crush for years, "'but eventually she had discovered "'that there were other boys and moved on. "'Combine that with her taking up playing Quidditch, "'even Seeker this year once Harry was suspended. "'Salazar knew Harry seemed to like Seekers.' and it was all turnabouts fair play. Harry would no doubt end up missing the days when he had Ginny's full attention, regretting how he hadn't taken his chance when he had it, and somehow managed to bring Ginny back around, just like a perfect story. Draco could gag on how perfect it was. It made a hell of a lot more sense than Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter. And not just because Ginny was a girl. Because Draco was who he was, what he was. the best thing he could give Harry was just his protection. And when the time came, letting him go to someone who actually deserved his devotion. With the thought of Harry's protection, Draco lingered behind the others at the counter before addressing the shopkeeper. Sir, have you ever heard of a black quill? Or a blood quill? It's a kind of quill that inscribes the words written with it onto the flesh of the person who writes them. "'No!' "'the elderly shopkeeper exclaimed, looking affronted. "'I've been in this business for fifty years, young gentleman, "'and in all my time I've never heard of such a thing. "'That sounds like the very foulest of dark magics.' "'Could Umbridge have invented it for her own use? "'Perhaps she was not as worthless a witch as he would like to think. "'So you wouldn't have one to sell me?' "'Draco persisted. "'Or anyone else. "'Or nowhere to send off for a commission. "'No!' "'The shopkeeper yelled again, slamming his hands down on the counter. "'And I must ask you to leave my shop immediately.' "'Do you think it's something you could make, theoretically, "'for the right amount of money under the table?' "'Draco persisted, wondering how long it might take for Umbridge to make another. "'Except hopefully, if it was her own invention, "'she would blame the burning on a problem in the magic and give up the concept.' but she seemed to have connected the burn's shape with Draco. Maybe she would give up on it then anyway, if she thought it too liable to be hijacked by another's magic. How would you go about making it? How long do you think it would take? The other five had been waiting outside for him, but Ron had opened the door and peered inside impatiently, just in time to hear the shopkeeper scream, You heard me! I never want to see your face here again! Get out of my store and never come back! "'Well, that was a bit of an overreaction,' Draco said with a shrug, as he wandered out leisurely to join the others, who were gaping at him in varying degrees of scandalised curiosity. "'Frankenstein!' Hermione hissed. "'How do you keep doing this? "'Gryffindor Tower is one thing. "'The Divination Tower I never understood, and you won't tell us, fine, "'but how in the world did you manage to get yourself banned "'from Scriven Shaft's quill shop?' "'He wasn't even in there very long,' Luna told Neville. "'It's impressive, don't you think?' "'Draco?' Harry prompted and Draco just shrugged. "'I don't think he likes Malfoy's.' "'He lied elegantly and led them towards Honeydukes. "'He found his friends still gossiping about who fancied who "'as they approached the candy shop, "'with Ron ticking it all out on his fingers. "'Well, now, Ginny fancies Michael Corner, apparently.' That's not a last name, that's just a part of a room. Hermione fancies Ickle Vicky. I'll have you know, Hermione said huffily, I broke it off with Victor Crum before the last school year ended. We haven't been in touch since. Draco's the only one who's written to him. And that had been for Quidditch advice as the new Slytherin captain. The good news was Draco had received pages of intricate Quidditch tactics sheets. The bad news was they were all in German. Ron had a slow smile spread across his face. One that should have told anyone with eyes who he fancied. Really? He breathed. So you two aren't any more. You never said. What does it matter? Hermione snapped crossly. Oh, WL's are this year That's the priority. Ron got a goofy grin. Nothing. He said quickly. Okay, Draco fancies Charlie and then he doesn't. Harry snapped. Not really. "'and shoved the door to Honeyduke's open with excessive vehemence. "'Hermione shot Draco one of her exasperated glares, "'the one that said, "'You could put him out of his misery so easily. "'That was a look Draco always pretended not to understand, "'and he discouraged any further talk of crushes, "'much to Neville's relief, relaxing behind them. "'The high off the successful formation of Dumbledore's army, "'which did not yet bear that name, only lasted until Monday,' when he woke up to find a notice in the common room about Educational Decree 24. This was the one forbidding all student organisations, which had later been used as a pretext to hunt Dumbledore's army for the Inquisitorial squad. Upon seeing the notice, Draco winced at it, rather than finding it funny like last time. But he was unprepared for it to make his yearmates as gloomy as it did at breakfast. Why are you so thick sometimes? Theo lamented, and so clever at others. His full lips had gone especially pouty, too irked by Draco's insufficient reason to be obliging and explain his gloominess. Eventually, Draco got out of Greg that Theo thought Umbridge would apply her new rule to the Slytherin-Quidditch team. "'Don't worry. She'll give us permission to reform right away.' He remembered that from the Blue Loop quite clearly. "'Sometimes, Draco. I think you're getting too arrogant for your own good.' Blaze sighed. Or practically beating off Vince's attempts to sneak pancakes off his plate with a defensive fork. "'You're the team captain. She's going to make it as hard for you as possible.' "'Remember what you said to her at Sirius Black's trial?' Millie reminded him. "'And you shot a fireball at her face!' Pansy added, looking excited by the memory. "'As if we needed one more enemy for this new team.' Theo groaned. "'You already have a large enough enemy in your own incompetence,' said Blaze. "'Okay, okay!' Draco sighed. Don't worry, all right, I'll figure it all out. Are we still practising tomorrow night? Theo persisted and Draco made a face. If I have anything to say about it, I'll go see her ex post facto, all right? The trouble was Draco had a packed schedule all day with charms, double potions, arithmancy and ancient runes keeping him busy almost until dinner time. In potions he found out that the Gryffindors were well aware of the target of the decree and planned to go on with the club anyway. Some blame was directed at Draco for sending away Smith, who they blamed for telling. Apparently Hermione had jinxed the sign-up sheet to make snitching on them punish more than their conscience, but Smith had never signed up. But when he offered to drop out of the club for his disgrace, they suddenly became more conciliatory. He raced from the Ancient's runes classroom to Umbridge's third-floor office like he was after the snitch. With a sinking kind of feeling in his stomach, he made himself ignore. If she could have just shut down entire Quidditch teams, she would have done it to Harry in the Blue Loop. "'Come in!' she called, in her syrupy, sweet voice, only for her gaze to darken when she saw who was there on the other side of the door. Draco walked over and sat in the chair facing her desk, the distinct feeling that if she could, she would bring those awful technicolour kittens on the plates behind him to life, and feed his precious hair to them. Professor Umbridge, he said, with the precisely calculated respect he had failed to show her thus far in the red line. I read your educational decree this morning, along with the rest of the school. I saw that it applies to team activities as well. As the captain of the Slytherin House Quidditch team, it falls on me to request your permission to formally reinstate it. She put down the quill she had been holding, over a pile of essays she was marking. The top one was Hermione's, which Draco had read over for her before turning in. Umbridge had somehow contrived to only give Hermione an E for it, despite it being the most exhaustive dissection of counterjinxes that Draco had ever read. Ah, oh, yes, Mr. Malfoy, she said, and Draco could sense her pleasure at having something he needed. She might mean to make him beg and scrape for it a great deal. This was why he had thought it would be better not to make her an enemy, and yet here they were with the pink lace over her hand probably still concealing the talon brand. He could take a conciliatory approach, or a business-like one, or the stoic one. He could try patience. Alternately, he could take a mysterious or threatening one which tended to be more his forte. He wished, bizarrely, that he could throw the threat of father at her like he would have in the blue loop. But with how tight father was with fudge, she would know full well that wherever Draco had been living... It had not been with his parents. "'You're a clever little boy, aren't you, Mr. Malfoy?' she began, with so little pretense of niceness that he knew she had been waiting for this moment, perhaps from the time she drafted her decree. "'Well, clever at charms, at least. "'That is a different sort of cleverness than the real world calls for, don't you think?' she tittered repulsively. "'So I have a trade to offer, clever boy. "'I have sole discretion to allow or disallow "'your band of Slytherin misfits to play your Quidditch,' she went on, "'in a tone like she knew of the circumstances surrounding the team, "'and hardly considered them an impressive enough assemblage "'to merit the name of the sport. "'I will grant you permission to reform your team.' When you get this off my hand. She took off her right glove and pushed her palm with self-righteousness across the desk. Oh, it was sweet to see a scar on that skin of hers, when, if she had had her way, she would have left a scar on Harry's hand instead. She had only gotten this because she had tried to. Professor Umbridge, Draco gasped looking from her hand up to her beady eyes with exaggerated concern. "'That looks awful. What happened to your hand?' "'Now, now, Mr. Malfoy,' she said grimly, "'if you insist on pretending, I fear we will be getting nowhere indeed. "'Do you think I did not see the shape of your wand in charms, class?' Do you think I was not close enough to see the curiously shaped brand on your uncle's palm in that farce of a trial? What is this? I don't know, Draco said through gritted teeth. How did you happen to receive such a strange burn on your hand, Professor Umbridge? So arrogant. She purred, and it raised his hackles far more to hear the word from her than Blaze. So proud for a boy whose family speaks of him the way they do, whose father admits his son carries the same perversions as his blood traitor uncle. Shut up! Draco yelled. "'losing his composure as he had resolved not to do. "'Shut up about Sirius! "'You're the one to talk about perversions!' "'Only one perversion concerns me now, Mr Malfoy,' she said sulkily, "'leaning back in her chair as if by provoking him "'part of her job had already been done. "'The dark magic on my hand!' "'He had thought she might give him detention for his outburst,' but she seemed single-minded enough in her need to fix her palm to leave it aside. "'Admit nothing if you do not wish, dearest boy. "'Consider this my consultation on with one of Hogwarts' foremost experts on dark magic. "'Save, of course, for that expert's godfather.' "'Stay away from him!' Draco yelled." and had a sudden horrible suspicion of what might befall Severus from the Hogwarts High Inquisitor, should Draco not produce results for her. Umbridge's lips turned up into the most genial smile, and she took a sip of tea with her free hand, the angry brand still a taunting presence between them. "'Mr. Malfoy, allow me to give you a bit of maternal advice.' "'You seem so in need of it with your own mother no longer. "'Involved, or should I say, interested in your life? "'You are rather careless for someone with so much still left to lose.' "'Oh, I'm nothing special. Everyone!' "'Rako snapped. "'Everyone has something to lose!' "'and stared defiantly at her hand, "'the will not to drop his masks fading by the second. "'You are an intelligent woman, Dolores, "'more than many must give you credit for, as a half-blood.' "'He felt the air go cold as ice between them, which was good. "'Let her be thrown off balance "'by the absolute discrepancy in class she had to feel between them, "'even if he was in disgrace with his famous family at the moment.' "'You make such interesting inventions, after all.' "'Is that a confession, Draco, that you tampered with my quill?' "'If there were such a quill,' Draco countered, "'is that a confession that was your invention, with the intention to use it on children?' "'Dolores is Latin for pain and lamentations, "'and sadism is all very well and good, Dolores. "'But take some advice from me in return. "'Freely given, student to teacher. "'You might be the one who wishes to be more careful "'in the targets that sadism takes.' "'She seemed to hair's breadth from drawing her wand "'and shooting curses at him. "'Not that Draco was at all behind her in that tensed readiness.' "'I,' she said haughtily, "'am the representative of the Ministry of Magic here at Hogwarts, of Minister Fudge himself. "'My authority even supersedes Dumbledore's.' "'Very well,' Draco hissed. "'That is your authority over me, and here,' he said, gesturing to her hand contemptuously, is my authority over you. He was gratified to hear her sharply indrawn gasp. If you would just think for a moment, Dolores, you would realise that if I was capable of removing the Talon brand from a hand thus marked, it would no longer be on the palm of my uncle. But that's permanent. And it's far, far more than a decoration. He laughed softly as she pulled it to her face, staring at the crooked shape in horror at the news. It doesn't hurt, you know. That's a mercy. For now. And you must take every bit of mercy you can get from a Malfoy. She regarded him for a long, calculating moment above her wounded hand. You are no longer a Malfoy. You do realise that, don't you? And neither are you, Draco said smoothly, hatred so thick in his veins that if he knew how, he would have made the brand burn her hand off at the wrist. You're no noble pureblood. You're nothing of the sort. "'Nor will you ever be with that muggle father of yours. "'You're nothing like a Malfoy at all. "'And out of the two of us, Dolores, "'who do you really think is more grieved by that reality?' "'Umbridge's face went despairing then, "'and more hateful from that despair. "'You're lying about the brand!' "'Draco smiled back at her face of hatred.' Please witness here that it was you who requested this demonstration, he said crisp and posh and calm. Of which of the two of us is a liar? He made a show of casting his spell, then as congenially and leisurely as if he was remarking upon the weather. Cortorizo. Some part of him had doubted it would work, but she shrieked and held on to her wrist with more agony than he could have dreamed. "'as if the talon shape reignited as if it were the first time. "'It was beautiful, really, "'the line and sharp twist of it seeming to hover in the air "'above the scorching flesh, like a musical note, "'at the point where a piece's most striking light motif "'twisted into a minor key for the very first time. "'He remembered Harry's scar from her in the blue loop. "'I must not tell lies written forever into that hallowed skin.' and it was all he could do not to laugh at the sounds she made. Some part of him had doubted, even if it did work, whether he would be able to actually make himself go through with it, given his old, damnable squeamishness. He'd hated causing pain, when it came to being forced to use Cruciatus by the Dark Lord. He would have thought anything close to torture would have once again made his skin crawl and breath seize up. Instead... He simply felt a condescending amusement. And stronger, he felt that, too. Maybe it felt good because it just unequivocally was. An eye for an eye, a hand for a hand, that would teach her to threaten Severus, or try and hurt Harry Potter. Once her screaming and the smell of burning ceased, it seemed to be far, far more severe than it had ever been for Sirius, despite Draco's lazy casting likely because of the target. Her beady eyes were the helpless eyes of an animal with its foot not only caught in a trap, but mangled by it. Shall we make a deal? Draco asked, and biting back tears a-quivering, Dolores Umbridge nodded. The trade extracted then could not have been more simple. Permission for Slytherin to reform, and Draco, Umbridge and Severus would stay out of each other's way. In return, Draco would not use the brand or any other magic against Umbridge. He was middlingly sure he could hold to that, but if necessary, he wouldn't exactly scruple to break his word to the likes of her. See? Draco told the Slytherin team smugly at dinner, arriving late but with the news the team was reinstated. They were incredulous, while Ron and Harry proved envious at the news. He probably just threatened her into granting permission. "'Ron said knowingly. "'Draco shot a nervous glance at Hermione, before saying, "'That's, uh, not at all true.' "'Oh, Frankenstein, why are you like this?' "'Hermione groaned, one of her stock phrases, "'while Luna gave him a quiet little applause in the background "'where Hermione couldn't see.' "'Draco began that night's Quidditch practice re-energised "'as much by defiance as anything else.' He had spent a great deal of time poring through the German Quidditch plays and come up with a radical, tactical programme for Slytherin. In the Blue Loop, fifth-year strategy had been dominated by dogging Gryffindor practices, cursing their players in the halls, and dirty play during the actual match. They had lost the match, and had the worst Quidditch season Draco had ever played, losing not just to Gryffindor, but Hufflepuff, even though Draco had caught the snitch in the latter match. If he wanted to change the past in this, he needed a new strategy, a very Slytherin one still, not merely ruthless, but cunning. Quadrorum, Draco cast. The night air around them filled with net-like markings in three dimensions of a golden grid. The grid came to life between all of their hovering forms on the brooms, making Vince yelp and nearly fall off his broom, before an exasperated Millie sent out a charm to steady him. The square stretched out all along the Quidditch pitch, in an orb around the main area between the hoops, and then in a darker gold up very high, and all the way to the ground and the Quidditch stands. The whole spell sent more than enough of a glow to light up the whole pitch at night, and with the way the gold stood out against the sky this way, it made practising this late an actual benefit. "'We're practising with this in the air now,' he proclaimed and their confused objections were silenced when Blaze called out from the stands that he thought it might be a good idea. Draco had learned the grid spell from the professional materials Crumb had sent over. Over the following practices, the spell proved invaluable in teaching and running pre-figured attack plays, many also from Crumb's papers, that he had chosen as the basis of their strategy. It proved more of a difficulty getting the team to commit to it than actually making it happen. Once they bought in, all of the team, even Vince and Greg, turned out to be unexpectedly clever when it came to learning the prearranged motions, what Milly had taken to calling automations. For the automations that didn't involve her, she would sit back in front of the hoops and bark out advice and corrections and be the one to call out their code for which automation. They changed all the codes each week, just in case. Blaze often came to practice, which turned out to be a boon rather than a hindrance. Between bouts of studying by candle, he offered comments on their coordination and pace from the stands. He also took part in running everyone over the automations before and after, which soon became a regular sound in their dorm. Blaze's disapproving glares, if anyone got it wrong, were motivation enough for Vince and Greg to study far harder than they ever had for classes, vanishing any notes they made after each usage. Draco would never have thought it possible to get Vince and Greg to play their beta role zonally, with a clear positional sense, but with practice three times a week, and Blaze's approval on the line, slowly but surely they had learned. Not as naturally as they had taken to tactical and not-so-tactical fouling, practiced bi-weekly in the blue loop, but they'd learned. Just as slow but sure the king snakes took shape, as Draco began calling them. It had been Blaze's childish nickname for all of them when they were little, and Blaze had stopped using it by the time they were ten. But Draco had honestly thought it was kind of cool, ever since Theo explained that kingsnakes were the species known for eating other snakes, even bigger ones. Something in their psychological makeup seemed to have been marked by being called kingsnakes enough at an early age. They all still reacted to it reflexively, the girls as much as the boys with Millie saying she loved being called a king, Pansy said Millie was a queen already, so she was both, and Astoria laughed about how that went without saying. If their team had already had to be different than any other Slytherin team before them, the least Draco could do was help them to feel cool about it with intelligent branding. The negative side effect was that coining a nickname made more such appellations follow. Having heard Gryffindors call him Frankenstein, Theo was not slow to give Draco an alternative, some sort of claiming him back, from Theo and thus all of Draco's yearmates, who were becoming distressingly close to something he could call friends again. The title he earned was Grindelwald. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Talon Brand, Part 5 of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget.